2016 was our summer of peace on earth because everyone was playing (laughs) pokemon go and (laughs) no one had been elected that shouldn't have been hi i'm shamar griffith codename comic champs and i am andrew tahada codename arate this season we're getting whelmed for dc's greatest sidekicks and covering every episode of young justice on yeah another dc animated podcast part of the forgotten entertainment family Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year Richard Jewell, an American security guard, stopped a bombing at the Olympic Park in 1996 Summer Olympics by finding a backpack with three pipe bombs and evacuating the area before anyone got hurt. Mm. That's Bowhunter security material right there. Oh, yeah. Top notch. Always on point. And the crazy thing is, people suspected he did it afterwards. Oh, wait. I just just remember. Isn't that the the movie that they made recently? It is. Oh, okay. I did not realize that was the full story. Damn. I also didn't realize it was based on true events. That's even worse. Oh, yeah. It happened. It happened. Uh, luckily, he was cleared before um, he died. But uh, mm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, just this um, common security can become heroes. Big heroes. Mm. Well, it was a good thing we're bringing up this guy. I'm glad that he was able to get Richard Jewell was able to get cleared. Because um, as we mentioned, he would have been a top-notch candidate for Bowen security as we are jumping Back into our Young Justice coverage, we're in Season 3, Young Justice Outsiders. And today we're covering Episodes 3 through 6 as we talk about private security, away mission, and finally rescue op. Um, honestly, I kind of, reading these titles now, I really wish that we just had bow into security the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, they could have came back for other things. Right. Uh, Timing-wise, these episodes take place between August 1st to August 6th, so we're going to be jumping around a lot in these short uh, five days or so. And fun fact, this is the 50th episode of the series. So a series that had about 98 animated episodes plus one audio place is a total of 99 episodes. We are well past the halfway point of of the series, by which I mean with private security. So... With this whole setup now, with um, the season three, episode three, we get some new teams, we get some new dynamics, some new stories continuing on from uh, from our set of episodes from last week. And I just felt it was appropriate because of all this newness, um, you know, tying it back to our episode from last week, as well as the namesake of one of the planets that we visit today. Felt like it was appropriate to call this one the new gen. Oh, yes, yes. Not to be confused with that show Gen 16. Completely different. Oh, yeah, different. completely different. Completely different. Please don't come after us. We did not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who's still around who's working on that show, though. <laughs> um, Today, our cast list cons- consists of Crispin Freeman. Um, We know him as the voice of 
uh, Speedy turned Red Arrow, now voicing all three Harper brothers today, as Crispin Freeman is Will, Jim, and Roy Harper, um, who are not actually brothers, but rather clones. Uh, next up, we got Carrie Payton's adding another voice <laughs> to um, his Young Justice resume, as he is providing the voice of Brick, as well as some additional characters throughout the this next couple of episodes. Uh, we have a returning favorite at, as Ben Diskin returns to do harm to the team, but not as harm. Uh, today, Ben Diskin is voicing Makam Moors, aka Ma'ala Fa'ek. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, if we had harm in this episode or any other episode ever again, this would have been bad. Uh, next up, you can't keep Jason Spizak away as, you know, he has already retired his role as Wally West, a.k.a. Kid Flash. Today, he is introducing us to the character Forager. Uh, Keon Young has an impressive resume across movies, TV shows, animation. Honestly, the list is so large that the most shocking one that I could find was that he was the voice of Super Ninja in the five episode series of Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. Anything okay. went in the 90s, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we're lucky today, though, that we have uh, Keon Young today as the sensei, the trainer of the entire League of Shadows. I just knew him as Jong Jong from Avatar. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... <laughs> there's so there were so many like there I, I couldn't go I didn't have enough time for this podcast to go through the entire list that spanned almost like 50 years. Finally, Lauren Tom, best known for her roles as Amy Wong in the returning Futurama series. Um, Min and Connie, who you might also know from the rumored returning King of the Hill series. I, I think there's a talks of it about it rebooting. Um, but today, Lauren is providing the voice work for Tracy, aka 13. 13? Who was that? You know, the unlucky girl who had like one line. Um, <laughs> oh, I thought that was Jinx. No, no, that was uh, it's you know what? They are very close in power set. That's you know, talked about. That's a I do want to compare those two at some point. That is that's a pretty cool thing to just realize. Yeah, I thought it was Jinx. I, that was in my head the whole time. Well, uh, we're not jinxing this one today, I guess, because uh, today that's our cast list. Our um, stats are set. So let's Zeta tube over to the beginning of private security. Yeah, so here we get an interesting scenario. We again picking up right where we left off, where we see what happened after they got all the kids out of Markovia. And Artemis uh, now has Halo, so now she, her quirky house setup is a even a, a little bit more complicated because now she's living with her brother-in-law, her her niece, and a random girl that floats during her sleep, um, named Halo. And meanwhile, Brion, the prince, is living with Superboy, and even Connor has to acknowledge how Brion's rage problems are similar to his own when he came out of that pod in the first time. And the common question both Artemis and Superboy are asking is, where is Dick? He set them up. He seems to have set them up. But where is Dick Grayson in the middle of all this? And there's one more person who has to ask that question. 
Yeah, we have Black Lightning, who apparently is able to afford a room in the Luther Grand Hotel to put up Helga Jace, the doctor who um, was in Markovia and gave Brion his powers. Uh, he's also questioning where Dick is. And we see that uh, Dick Grayson has popped his way over to Star City to enter the doors of Bowhunter Security, the place where Will has decided to make a name for himself, by which we mean Will Harper, the former clone of Roy Harper. Um, he is on the phone. He's talking with a client. He gives us our fun little Bowhunter Security where security is on point line. And we see that Dick enters the building alongside Will's brother clones, Jim and Roy Harper. I also do want to say, I think uh, the hotel room was indirectly from Batman. I think oh, uh, okay. Dick was like, hey, hey, Bats, can I borrow a million dollars? He's like, yeah, whatever. Just take it. Alfred's going to write the check. Go ahead. Okay, cool. Because I was just like, um, Jefferson, you, you, you have an ex-wife. Um, please don't add any can, any more like fire to the flames here. Because I don't know why you were putting up a woman in the hotel and using your own money for it. So glad to know that Batman is funding these adventures. Yeah, because there's a later fact that I'm going to bring up that proves that Jefferson didn't pay for this hotel room. But in any case, over at Bo Bowhunter Security, the staff is out. So in exchange for helping Nightwing, Will says, hey, why don't you and Arsenal and Guardian, former Guardian, all help me with the a security detail protecting the new Apple VR headsets. And they're like, yeah, because uh, I, I, if this is what we got to do, they suit up in security, matching security uniforms. And while we they prepare to take care of the Apple sets, we get a little glimpse of what they're protecting. And I think at this time, because I think it was, I forget what the timing is mm -hmm. of this in relation to Pokemon Go. Because it feels like they were making fun of Pokemon Go a little bit here. Uh, I'm not sure how the time picks up. No, it wouldn't. It would It would be really close because I think if we're saying that this is supposed to take place around 2019 which, when the episode drops, so if it was like the same timeline, uh, Pokemon Go, I think, reached its height definitely right before the COVID pandemic was more, more well known. So yeah, yeah, probably. Dang. Yeah. Um twenty sixteen was our summer of peace on earth because everyone was playing <laughs> Pokemon Go and <laughs> no one had been elected. That shouldn't have been, you know? Like <laughs> <laughs> so while we get a chance to see a newer upgraded version of Pokemon Go played through these uh VR headsets where this one guy he's running through the park. Um he almost crashes into Artemis and Halo, who were going on a walk in the park due to the fact that um, Artemis had already had plans. Halo is unsure about what's happening. And during this time, um, Halo is talking with Artemis. Artemis is trying to get an understanding of better of who she is, um, maybe even see if she has some memories about who she was as well. This causes... Um, Artemis to have a brief flashback as we see from the scene uh, back in Markovia where the team then decides that they're just going to take everybody back to um, their respective places in America. So as Artemis is having this flashback, she immediately looks up and she sees that Halo is floating in the air 
um, brings her back down, but she keeps commenting on like, okay, everything seems to be get going better for Halo. She's, um, it seems like her English somehow has been like drastically increasing. Even saying that Arden telling her that Nightwing is going to run a background check to see and hopefully that maybe something might pop up. Um, this leads them to try to figure out what they should do next. And Artemis tells her that the real reason why they're here is to meet up with Dr. Fate, who appears from the willow tree that is probably a direct descendant from the one from Pocahontas, uh, because this thing is shielding everybody from seeing around it. Yeah, and, and um, an important line in the middle of this, too, is that um, because Halo has amnesia, Artemis is like, then why are you wearing the hijab stuff? Mm-hmm. You do wear? And Halo just goes, you know, it feels nice. Is that okay? And Artemis says, of course it's okay. And that's the whole extent of the conversation. I think that was really handled masterfully of like how, you know, people might have questions and might be curious about certain religious wear. And this is how you handle it. And yeah. That's, I choose to do it. And that's all that you they're responsible to answer. So I really liked that that little beat in there um but as they away from that we go back to the dr fate situation where he is able to say that halo is has an old soul in a young body and before they can really unpack what that means zatanna arrives and we are reminded that her father is currently being possessed by dr fate and for one hour each year (laughs) He allows the 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 daughter and father to meet. So this is Artemis is there in the area while this is happening. But meanwhile, over at the Warner Brothers lot, I mean the good <laughs> VR lot with the same logo, the boys are watching over boxes and doing inventory. Yeah, they're having a very candid conversation about why is it that they're even here. Um, even saying that, you know, no one steals stuff during the day. And to which I say, have you not seen Fast and Furious 1? Uh, because mm-hmm. I feel like there's been no nighttime activity in that film. So as they're having this conversation, um, Jim and Roy, Will decides to open up the can of worms that is the uninvited house guest that he has at his home currently, which is Halo. Um Will states that, you know, he needs that Dick needs to find a way to to help these kids, because at this point, it just seems like he's literally just dropped the ball and just passed away to just give it to somebody else to handle. And he calls him out for saying that, listen, this was a problem that you created. So you need to find the solution. Dick is unwilling to kind of acknowledge that he is responsible for this um, because he does which is something that gets unpacked a little bit later on. But they focus back on the fact that, like, hey, no one's going to steal this stuff in broad daylight. And in such a clever way to um, change up the dialogue, we do see that Brick and his crew are off to the side, and which Brick says, oh, we're going to steal this stuff in the daylight. (laughs) Just gangster. I love it. Um, Meanwhile, across in Metropolis, Jeff is hanging out with Dr. Jace. And this is why I know he didn't pay for the hotel. Because for brunch, they got hot dogs. (laughs) Brunch, (laughs) my dude? Come on. Come on. 
That's barely lunch from a cart. Come on, man. Yeah, it's true. Okay. That teacher's salary. Like, (laughs) (laughs) come on. So I'm assuming that Metropolis brunch prices are like those in New York where you get like eggs and then like 50 extra dollars for 50 more dollars. You get like unlimited drinks, but you're spending like 70 for one egg. I guess so. I guess inflation was hitting him because (laughs) they had hot dogs. But over the hot dogs, Jace tries to appeal to Jeff and say, look, I know how it seems with me, but I really do care about those kids. I really care about Halo and Brion. And she kind of connects with Jeff on the level of Jeff caring about his two daughters, which is radically different. But (laughs) (laughs) that's how they're able to emotionally connect. So as they are talking about what they're going to do next, we cut back to Bowhunter security where something is wrong with the clipboard. Will knows that these drivers that are coming in, the clipboard doesn't lie. There's something off Mm -hmm. about them. And once they realize that it's Brick Stugs, they go to the, the ultimate vehicle, the SUV. Yes, this SUV has all the bells and whistles. It's got seat bolts, a steering wheel, and a radio that never gets turned on during this very intense car chase as they are in pursuit of the four trucks that we saw. Um, they are trying to figure out what to do. Meanwhile, at the same time, Will and Dick are still continuing on their conversation. Uh, Roy, he starts getting a little trigger happy here because, of course, he has this cannon for an arm. So he decides that he's going to try and blow out the tires for the um, the truck stars passing him by, to which Will states, hold on, don't do that, because if you do, you're going to basically destroy our cred and destroy the product. So they try to figure out a way that they can just intercept the trucks. Um, meanwhile, we see that Brick is behind them trying to help stop them from stopping his gang. Um, he immediately starts hitting them and pushing them off to the side, to which point we get a moment in which they are about to get hit by a school bus, which becomes <laughs> oh canonically God. the only school bus that exists in this universe, I feel. Yeah, this one driver, I mean, he must be making some serious money. <laughs> so sir, as we cut away from the chase for a second, we check in with Brion who is trying to keep his anger in check as all these foreign things are going on abroad, but he can't really interfere. And Superboy encourages him to keep himself busy with a hobby, and Superboy is fixing bikes. And Brion is like, well, you have a cool sphere bike. Why do you fix? He's like, oh, I need money. So apparently, Jeff is not the only broke person in this universe. And... But it also answers our question from last week. (laughs) What does Superboy do for money? Apparently fixed bikes. Yeah, I mean, it feels like he's smart enough to do more, but if you want to fix bikes, you know, whatever. Go go for it, man. Uh, Goodwill hunting this thing. And (laughs) he encourages Brion to try working, and he gets makes Brion work for free, which is great um, for him because now he can get extra done clean sooner and with more efficient budgets. And it makes sense. He's got to pay off that rent somehow. Mm. And we cut back to the chase where after Arsenal uses his arm, Brick goes, run a cop with grapples. How much are y'all getting paid? <laughs> <laughs> so I do like 
that little beat because they are in regular uniforms, so they have no idea what they're dealing with. Right. And as, again, we cut away from the chase and go back to another emotional moment with Halo. Uh, this is where we see off in the distance that Zatara and Zatanna are still talking within their hour of time. Um, Artemis asks Halo if anything that Dr. Fate has said meant anything to her. And including to the fact is that has it helped you regain any memories of any kind? Halo doesn't share that she has a full-on flashback of her being buried um, and then you know, also coming into um, working in Markovia the way she was, she states that she only remembers everything that happened where she was found and states that the only, the only thing she saw before that was just darkness, um, just tying it back to her being buried alive. This is where she questions again, you know, hey, what are what are we doing here? Because it doesn't seem like it's being it's really helpful to what we're doing. It doesn't seem like we have any kind of task at hand. And especially because of the fact that Zatanna and Zatara are off to the side talking. This is when Artemis shares that we're not here for this conversation. We're here for the after. Um, and while we're trying to figure out what the after is, of course, we have to hop back over to this high speed chase where Brick has officially tore the roof off the SUV and then the steering wheel. And I'm not a car owner myself, but I felt that pain that Will felt when he's mentioned his insurance premiums because I felt like the, he was going to have to pay a, a ton of money after that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they're they going to go up way. Like, he's not going to be able to afford his rate next month. Uh, sorry, Geico. Um, not sponsored. And so... <laughs> Once they are forced to jump out of their car onto a truck, this is when there's a little Freudian slip. Nightwing during the battle goes like, old times, Wall. And Will goes, it's Will, but you meant Wally West, huh? And that's when he kind of realizes that Nightwing is here for a Wally in his life. He doesn't have one. He doesn't want to put this burden on Aqualad. He doesn't have that kind of close relationship to anybody except Roy, uh, former Roy, now Will. Mm-hmm. And they, it's a great scene because they're fighting and talking through this emotional issue at the same time. Nightwing does a little flashlight foo. <laughs> and it, Nightwing actually comes out with the, the, the thing. He's like, this isn't my problem. This wasn't the mission. And Will hits him with, the mission is what the mission becomes. becomes. And even though Nightwing is like, and then we get to the deeper layer, which is Nightwing saying, I don't do teams anymore. And this is where we we fully understand what's been going on. Nightwing has wanted to be solo to not risk losing anybody else. But now he has no choice. He must step up if he's going to save these kids and the world. So now with this revelation, it's time to run over brick with the truck. <laughs> Oh, also, but before that, too, I do want to point out something that Will also states where he says that, like, he constantly he needed somebody to, like, clear his head about this. And he knows that that's what he was here for. So that's the only reason why he took this this role, because he could have he could have easily not come along. He could have he didn't need help 
Um, cause the whole plan was that like, if he helps him out with this, um, this job with bow hunter security, that the Harpers will then join in for a bust later on for a, uh, metahuman trafficking lab. But he now knows that like, Hey, you didn't come along just to help me out the goodness of your heart. You just needed clarification that like you, you needed to step up in some way, shape or form. And you were too afraid to tell that to yourself or to hear it from anybody else. So I did appreciate hearing that because it still shows that like, hey, even though um, Will is so far removed from the superhero game now, it still ties back into that intervention episode where um, Will was trying to find the original Roy and Dick states that, hey, I've known you just as long as I've known the rest of the teammates here. So you are one of us. And I'm kind of glad that we got a chance to see that play out, and especially in a way where you get a chance to see Dick is finding a way to get some, you know, some therapy outside of his uh, signal network, I guess. Hashtag not sponsored from to through Roy to handle this issue that he has with Wally, because I'm pretty sure he's never actually talked this through. No, I don't think I, I think this is a really you know, he's, he's the Batman method of yeah. uh, deal with my problems by punching things. I don't go and unpack what my issues are. Um, so I think, yeah, he kind of inherited that issue from Batman and never wanted to come to terms with the loss and how that affected him. But now he has to. So as he comes to this new revelation, the NYPD is there to shock Taze Brick, even though they've already <laughs> captured him. Uh, uh, clearly, he was caught outside in Queens. Um, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> this is definitely because you know the, the the suburban setting, the the warehouse. I'm I'm thinking Queens is where this went down. I, you know, location. yeah. I, I'm not gonna specify, but I have an exact street in mind. But <laughs> <laughs> because you know, Brick unfortunately does get tased. He um he also loses another suit. Unfortunately, he I I sympathize with him about losing these suits. Um, so he's taken away, and he questions one more time. You know, who are you guys? And of course, you get the we're bowhunter security. We're always on point. Um. <laughs> I, I love the line. This is the same PR yeah. person as Bedlam, I feel. <laughs> yeah, no, this they got some really good people out there. Yeah. And um, we also get a resolution to the Zatanna storyline where after the hour is up, Dr. Fate uh, takes the body back and Zatanna just falls apart. You know, this is, she just won't get to see her father for another year, just for an hour. Mm-hmm. And Artemis goes, this is the part we're here for. Yeah. Um, well, it's actually Halo says it. So there's a sense of empathy coming from Halo as well of understanding and getting more socially complex. So that after that, we get the final vignette of they don't even show the mission, but mm. the bow hunters and Nightwing have freed all the kids. And they said, honestly, we look better in our security uniforms. And then that's the episode before we got the Bow Hunters spinoff show. It's gone on for seven seasons. Everyone and a movie, <laughs> and, yep, and a movie, uh, theatrically released. Um, actually, before the flash. No, we wish, but <laughs> instead we get the next episode. Yes, we uh we leave our heroes in um at this warehouse where, and we hop on over to New Genesis. We get introduced to. Um, some brand new characters in this world within the DC universe of the people who 
the creatures or the beings, sorry, that live on the planet of New Genesis, which are the bugs. Um, we get introduced to Mantis, Forger, and some other bugs where they are brokering a deal with Orion, where it looks like they are bringing Orion, the new god, some kind of like very expensive stone. Um, not quite silver, not quite diamond, maybe somewhere in between. But what they're getting in return is some kind of delivery from the new gods, hopefully to... Now, it seems like an equal exchange. Unfortunately, it's revealed that Orion, along with these two monstrous beings, they are actually delivering this like illusion crate to them, and it disappears right before their eyes as Mantis, the leader of the bugs here, the hive, he um, states the new gods have no honor. This like gave me very strong Zuko vibes here. I'm mm. just, I felt it. I was just like, you know what? Yeah, we ride with the bugs. I'm also going to put this out right away because I want to address this off the top. With the depth of Orion's voice, the gravel in his voice, and the fact that, you know, we may not be getting too much more of Groot in the near future. James Gunn, Vin Diesel is your Orion. All right? Going cast right now. He has the gravel. He has the grit. He has the size. Yes. Orion doesn't need to do much except brood and sit there and growl and look intimidating. Go and get Vin Diesel now. Lock him up. That's my that's my RT alteration for real life. Vin Diesel as Orion. We will we will set up the petition, and we know that Vin Diesel will love it because you'll get a chance to ride on that um that like hoverboard thing. It's like a car, but you still live his life a quarter mile at a time. Like, come on, it's right there. I think it, I let's get this workshop, get the petition started. Let's go. Uh, but while we're waiting for James Gunn to get that Vin Diesel casting s- secured, we cut back to Earth where Breon's brother is again saying, look, I'd love you to have you home. But with the bad blood towards metahumans right now, it's not possible. And as he's trying to go through that, we get um, a new god coming down from Earth. Uh, Bear. Mm-hmm. It's Bear, right? Yeah, it's bear. It's bear. Just, great, good animal. That's to be confused with the Hulu show. There's yeah. he's not as aggressive as that show. He does not have any Michelin stars. So Bear reveals that he needs help because he found Earth DNA on New Genesis. So something is going on. Orion's acting strange. So what's going on? And amongst themselves, they discuss what they should do. And eventually McGann decides, I'll go to earth because superboy real go off earth because superboy really needs to stay and take care of brion and she's gonna get a few recruits along for the ride yes she sends out a full team alert or at least to i don't know what uh squad this is right now but we do get a chance to see um she meets up with tracy or 13 as we have called her before and then we also get a chance to see a grown-up static who is still being voiced by our Brian James um, actor, as well as Kid Flash, who is who was originally Impulse. And finally, wrapping up the team, we have uh, Blue Beetle, who I gotta say, there is a drastic kind of difference look in Blue Beetle. Like, he seems taller. He seems kind of more muscular. Not quite our most Jack character. Like, I have to give that to Bear probably right now. Mm-hmm. But it's enough to be like, I think he went through puberty. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think um he's he did hear about the future where he's ridiculously jacked and is trying to make that a reality for himself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's he's still a few more protein shakes away. Or he's just trying to get like Miguel is in the real life Blue Beetle, because that boy is jacked in real life, guys. Go look it up. You'll you'll be surprised. Uh Cobra Kai is is real. So <laughs> as they put the team together, we also get um I love this. Jefferson, comma, Pierce. I do love that specific (laughs) call out. So with the team uh, collected with all all the kids together, they go to, they go off world. And there's another attack going on um, because they're trying to figure out how things are going. And the bugs, the local bugs are not for it. They do not want the earthlings here. So they try to attack the humans, but Forger steps in and protects our metahumans, mm-hmm. uh, which definitely c- causes some conflict with this hive. And while we're trying to figure out what's going on with Orion, because Bear mentions Orion is away from New Genesis. He, this is not here. Bugs don't buy it. They think it's a poor excuse. But we go back to Earth where Halo... It says something of Brion that she doesn't quite mean. <laughs> um, so she keeps stating because she sees how angry Brion is about what's going on for him uh, to the point where he decides to test out his powers a little bit. Um, but she keeps stating that something about him is broken. Uh, he, he's not quite sure what this means. And as he is um, getting aggressive because of what he's being told. His powers start acting up and he starts testing them out. And this causes for the original members of the team, um, including Dick, to walk on over and say, hey, no, keep on, keep going. Because I think what you're doing is pretty cool. I do want to see what the limit is to your abilities. And this leads into a full-on demonstration uh, be- between Brion and Halo to try out their powers. Um, this is also the origin, the villain origin story for the Gardener, um, a villain who is oh, ma- yeah. when his <laughs> beautiful immaculate gardening is destroyed by a random prince testing out his powers. So yeah, if you ever wonder what the origin was, this is this is the episode. Yeah, I believe that he's going to team up with the uh, the Cabbage Man from mm. Avatar. The two of them will have a lock on everything green in the near future. <laughs> They're the real saviors of the green. <laughs> uh, so we hop back on over to New Genesis while um, they're testing out their powers. And we see that Miss Martian has taken on the shape of a bug um, to join in on this other meeting that Orion is having. So Orion comes on down. The Hive shares that they have some more um, materials that they wanted to give to Orion, in which Orion states, uh, I don't want that. They even offered their weapons. And Orion's just like, why would I, why would you take, why would I take this kind of technology from you when your technology is trash? And I was just like, bro, come on. Like, <laughs> stop it. Um, fortunately, though, Miss Martian is sensing that this attempted deal is something is truly off about it. Um, She even detects some kind of psychic wave. Uh, So she immediately starts shifting into her white Martian form, 
which causes Orion to run away in fear as the two of them depart. You know, the team is trying to figure out what's happening because it doesn't seem like this is this wasn't on this wasn't the agenda. This wasn't the plan. So while they try to figure that out, we're here wondering, is it Simon? Is he returning? That's what I thought. I thought it was Simon. Oh, um, yeah. They set it up as Simon. <laughs> yeah. I was I was ready. I was just like, oh, we coming back for round three, Simon? Another L for you? But okay. But while we try to figure out what's next, we hop back down to Earth where um, they are again teaching them how to control their powers. Uh, Rion, uh, well, let's just say that this show, I think, got a TV 14 rating for this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, just like Jessica Alba in the Fantastic Four movie, real deep cut. He loses his clothes while using his powers and is <laughs> Halo checks him out a little bit <laughs> mm-hmm. by flying above the hands. And this is where, again, Halo is going, <laughs> you shouldn't be upset. You are nicely shaped, which is a, a great line. And this is where Halo gets the spotlight. And she starts cycling through the auras, auras about her protection. We know about her healing, but she gets a new aura where she can shoot lasers. So now we can see her powers are growing more than we even expected. And as we're kind of as she's healing from using her powers on herself, we cut back to New Genesis, where it's revealed that the fake Orion is McGann's little brother, and. His the little brother is essentially starting to trying to start a white revolution. Now I know how that sounds. I <laughs> mean, white yeah. Martian revolution. <laughs> Where he and we get these really, um, well, we'll get some more depth into it. But he wants he essentially wants the bugs to rise up and overthrow the new gods. He wants the the this chaos. He wants the oppressed to rise up against their oppressors by any means necessary. And McGann hits him back with, you're the oppressor because you're using your mental link to manipulate these people and incite them into violence. Mm -hmm. So who's really the bad guy here? And as this conversation cuts away, we, we get to Dick making a promise to keep Brion in, in line Dick states, um, as Brion is quite upset over the fact that he can't get control of his powers, it seems like everything is just lost for him. He just wants to be alone. So uh, Superboy states that there, there's got to be a better way to, you know, give him an opportunity to control his anger. And a lot of which his powers derives from, to which he states, you got to give him a purpose of some sort, a goal in mind. And this is where Dick states, we can help you find your sister. Um, as a reminder, we are talking about Tara or Tara Markov, who is uh, who was the kidnapped princess from about two years ago, um, with some connections with it being connected to the metahuman trafficking. So as Brion hears this, he drops his bag and immediately states, I will join your team if you can help me find my sister. Um, so now we got Brion and we got Halo on this team as uh, we see what's happening for the rest of the team as the Battle of the Martians are is continuing on New Genesis, where um, in the effort to continue on with this deal, because McCom did say that he made a deal with somebody to help with the White Martian Revolution, um, 
Miss Martian is telling him that there are better ways to deal with this oppression. Like you can do so by love. And I, I'm just getting the parallels now that his name was Makam, um, kind of close to Malcolm. And mm. you can see that he Makam decides to use bloodlust and war and battle um in order to get his power back by get his white martian power back by any means necessary while miss martian is telling him that you can choose love and in this psychic battle where he uses the um the creatures that were by his side um to attack the rest of the team he and miss martian they battle it out where we see how he tries to trick her and say that hey you know i hear what you're saying i think what you're saying is right maybe i can use love but she senses that this is all a lie and knows that she has lost her brother to this hate that he that has consumed him this entire time. Um, so she's able to conclude the battle, but not before he does something very drastic and dark um, to the two monsters that are near him. Yeah, this uh, and another quote I really want to highlight here is that when they're they're going back and forth, he because we see a flashback to their childhood where they're attacked on site just for being white Martians. Mm. And, you know, he says wars are won by giving into anger. And McGann disagrees. She says wars are won with love. And, you know, if you look at the series as a whole to this point and the wars they fought, you can see that. You can see evidence of that all over the place of the, the unions and the bonds between people being strong enough. It was the bond between Scarab mm -hmm. and Jaime that saved the world last season. So, you know, it's like you don't always have to use violence. But he is ready to use violence because he decides to set a self-destruct button that kills the two metas. One of them who was really jacked and cut down in their prime. Um, but unfortunately, we're not going to see any more of them because he forced them to die on the spot and despite his treachery being revealed the bugs don't buy it and they essentially declare war on new genesis and they, you know mcgann's brother got exactly what he wanted and things aren't good for forager either yeah because um his hive realizes that like this all happened because he brought out the the earthers he by bringing them here, he doesn't, they don't know who was truly manipulating them because, yeah, Orion was um, doing all this stuff with their deals, but then they know that Miss Martian has psychic abilities. So they don't know who was psychically manipulating them. And they decide that the best thing for them to do is to kick Forager out the hive. Um, prior to McCombs' escape, also, he states that Forager was the one that ruined his entire plan here. So he knows that if he can ever, if he ever comes across Forager's path ever again, he will kill him. Um, and the Hive basically says the same thing to Forager. So Bear steps up to Forager and states, "You truly do not have a home here on New Genesis because you know you have a shapeshifter who's after you, and you have no Hive to protect you." This leads to Forager being very. Um, just lost very much like a reflection of what we saw in our previous set of episodes with Brionne and Halo who had nowhere to go but Miss Martian comes over and lends a helping through two extra hands as she grows two extra hands to hold all the foragers to let him know that he has a place on earth 
which Forger is reluctant to leave, um, to head to because he doesn't want to leave his home. But Miss Martian does assure him that it's not going to be forever. It's just for now. As they open up a boom tube and head on back. And it was so messed up that I thought this, but when they were bringing the metas back, I kept thinking of the scene in Goblet of Fire. Bring my body back to my parents, Harry. <laughs> just bring, bring them back, please. Uh, of Cedric Diggory. Um, yeah, I didn't really have any note. That's just something I remember <laughs> that it made me think of. Damn it. Um, you just made me... I feel so bad because I do kind of end up mocking not that scene, but the scene where it's just like his father's very distraught. It's a very heartbreaking scene, yes. but it's just very over the top for me. <laughs> my boy! My boy! My boy! <laughs> he said, bring his boy back! <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, there's no more for that episode to talk to Ruin, so we can move <laughs> on to the last of the bunch. Yeah. And we're bringing our boy back here, though. Because <laughs> living on the edge, killing people, spinning webs, we got Black Spider, who's coming after Ooh. another target, um, Jakar Marlow. I-, I love this scene so much. It-, it does lead into someone dying, but I just love Black Spider's commentary the entire time. Yeah, he's like a he's literally like a mix of Deadpool and Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is what you would get. <laughs> uh so Black Spider is targeting this Jakar Marlow guy who comes out wearing some VR goggles. Apparently they're allowed in clubs, so he states that he's looking for someone by that name and for Jack Jackie as uh, Black Black Spider continues to call him throughout this scene states that you know his uh bosses will be really proud if he's able to kill him right here because hey you um you know it's you you have some explaining to do here Jackie um Jakar runs away he's able to escape from Black Spider's gaze and just when he thinks it's safe uh he, he sees something falling down from the sky and some will assume rain some will assume snow but no he gets a whole boulder the size of like the rock from Indiana Jones, uh, <laughs> not the one from the Dial of Destiny. I don't know if that popped up. I haven't seen the movie yet, but it's the same no rock. Rocks, no rocks. The rock. oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it, it, it crashes down on him as Black Spider comes around, praises the individual who killed them as we see what looks like a, you know, for our DC fandom eyes, we know exactly who this is. But we do know that there's somebody with possibly the power to move rocks or any kind of geo forces was responsible for killing Jakar here. Yes. So as we cut away from this darkly comic scene, we get Oracle, who is enjoying the VR glasses herself. And when Nightwing tries to sneak up on her, she immediately flips him and then kisses him. Uh, to to certify that they are in this committed relationship and that there is a lot going on between them, that they don't want to be fully disclosed to the team, but they still have a strong relationship. So as we get that set up, we cut over to Superboy's house where McGann is introducing Forger to everybody and... I love this this little beat because they're wondering how they're going to communicate. Mm-hmm. And McGann apparently can just implant languages in your mind. Duolingo? What? Yo, word. Like, <laughs> like, take that, Rosetta Stone. 
You don't need it. It's all McGann. <laughs> and I, there's also a really funny exchange where Brion goes, I can't believe I'm meeting a real alien. And McGann is like, uh, excuse me, I'm a whole ass Martian. Connor <laughs> is a half alien. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no, no, a real alien. And Forger hits him back with, to me, actually, you're the alien. And Brion hits him. You would think that, would you? This whole conversation is A1. I love this exchange so much. But we can't forget about Halo, who is eagerly enjoying apples, what seems like for the first time, and is offering it to Forager. He's like, yo, Forager, you got to eat these apples, these red deliciouses. They're delicious. Um, and the crew decides, this new trio here, decides to go along their way to get a chance to talk with each other and know each other a bit more. Um, the the main thing that does happen too is that as while we're having this fun moment, is Forger shares that like he is an exile from the Genesis and explains the situation, and it does create this solemn tone that fortunately has a very um heartfelt moment where Brion, you know, gives a shoulder touch and says, "Hey, mm. I too am an exile, so I understand." And it creates a bond between the three of them here. Meanwhile, McGann is telepathically talking with Connor and Artemis, trying to figure out, you know, where is Forger going to stay? I don't know how many rooms McGann and Superboy's home is, but I'm pretty sure they are running out of space and definitely can't put it up in Artemis and Will's house anymore. Um, So this, they're trying to figure out what to do. And then McGann spots the SUV, not an SUV that was destroyed by Brick in our earlier episode, but an SUV that's actually Bioship. And she turns it into an RV. Yes. <laughs> I, this is a, this is, come on, Bioship. You just keep on giving. And I I do love that as it's transforming, Jeff is like, oh, God. And he's freaked out by it. To, to remind us that, yeah, you know, things are still weird to metahumans. Mm-hmm. And at this time, he comes in with the FaceTime call to to bring Dr. Jason. And Brion is focused on one thing. Is my sister alive? And upon saying that, ter- uh, Jace says, look, I, I don't know for sure, but I know she'll have Geo Force powers. I know that for a fact. And Nightwing comes out of the shadows like a good Batman always does, picks <laughs> up on that fact, and puts two and two together. That likely the assassin crushed by a giant rock, since he said giant spider, black spider doesn't usually do that. It, there's a possibility that Terra has been turned over, that she's part of the League of Shadows. And as Brion starts heating up, Nightwing hits him with, literally chill right now we're <laughs> we're gonna figure this out and he does mention that the league of shadows lives on infinity island but he doesn't want them to make moves against rachel ghoul because he's it, goddamn rachel ghoul exactly <laughs> facts <laughs> so that that's all the reason you need a through c so beyond says okay you know what i'm gonna chill i'm gonna ch- check out my living quarters and this is where we get a new layer to the relationship of the trio. As they enter, they are talking about, um, you know, they're just talking about having some fun looking at the space that they have. Uh, Forger is immediately just enamored by Bioship and even states that um, calls her a good girl, which Halo states, like, how do you know it's a girl? And 
Um, Before just says, isn't it obvious? Uh, this leads into Brion taking a step back to recall um, Dr. Jace and let her know that like, hey, um, if you can help my sister, I will talk with you. I will be willing to re-engage with you. Um, so now they're saying they decide that they're going to go to Infinity Island, despite even Helga Jace being like, wait, weren't you told not to? But they were like, yeah, we were able to get the okay. Um, this is where they decide to kidnap um, Sphere. I, I guess ki- kidnap is, I guess, going the right word because yeah, I don't... They, yeah. I, I think Spear, you know, is like, hey, you want to go for a walk, Spear? You want to go for a walk real quick? And yeah. To the League of Shadows, huh? And it was like a three-hour <laughs> tour. like <laughs> Yeah, we're just we're just going to pop in, pop out. Don't worry yeah. about it. So as they hop into Spear, um, we also see that Halo has a connection to Spear as Spear um, is able to open it up a bit more uh, and even stays kind of doing a call back to her to the earlier line of like saying that it's a girl Forger wonders, how does she know? And she says, isn't it obvious? Now, our trio, they fly off with Spear. Uh, Wolf is left behind uh, because <laughs> apparently Wolf is just taking the good old nap. But this leads into a very frank and open conversation happening up in the um, in the house where Connor, McGann, Artemis, Dick, and Jefferson are getting some new information about um halo's true identity and that was a snapper car in there as well yes that is snapper car (laughs) so i do like this because so they they realize they get halo's true name and her identity and at this time they're also discussing well what do we do with these kids do we draft them to the team and there's some good points raised like you know, they have meta powers, so shouldn't they be on the team automatically? And Artemis and Nightwing are like, excuse me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they also talk about, so they're like, you don't, just because you have powers doesn't mean you want to be a hero. Doesn't mean you want to put your life on the line and do what we do every day. And they also discuss the fact of Halo is a girl with no identity, no past, no memory. And we experienced with Will what that can do. Maybe she's a traitor. Maybe she's a, a bug, a plant. And this is where Snapper Car goes, hey, I led the Joker to the base before and I'm sitting here for some reason. So maybe give her a shot. So I, I do like there's some really deep questions raised in these in this conversation between them. But they all have to put that aside because the team quickly realizes that the three kids are gone along with Sphere. So now we cut to see what the kids are up to. Are the kids all right? As Halo also decides on a name. Yeah, we uh, get a great chance to see kind of like this new gen of heroes here. Uh, I had to force that in. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) The new age of heroes. (laughs) They are talking about um, at one point when Halo was using her abilities and then healing herself, she had overheard Brion call her Violet. So he say she states that that's what she wants to be her her um her undercover name, but for her code name, kind of when she's out on missions, like how Artemis is Tigress on missions, she wants her name to be Halo. And um Brion doesn't really choose a name. 
um, fun things that Forger is Forger. I think that is uh, going to be a running line because uh, Forger, even though having this full on download of the English language, um, as boy joked, he apparently did not get the pronoun section of the book. Uh, so as Forger in Halo and Brion are walking through, they are on Infinity Island. They notice how empty it is, and they're wondering what is going on. Why is it that no one is there? Um, but then, it just as if it was well timed, we see that Sensei, the lead, the um, the trainer of every single League of Shadows member, is just there meditating. And they're trying to figure out what to do. Brion immediately goes into uh, aggressive mode as he states he's one. He demands to know where his sister is. Uh, but since he tells him, you won't find your sister here. So just go along your way, because honestly, you're just bothering my meditation time. I, I love the confidence of Sensei because he says they're like, where's your league army of assassins? And Sensei's like, I don't need an army. Or <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, you really thought the person who trained the army is gonna need it? No, it, it, we're good here. <laughs> so, as Nightwing is in the distance, knowing that this is a rebellion and being reminded that this is the exact same thing he would have done back in the day, we get to the fight with Sensei, and it is a slaughter because Brion throws some lava sensei just walks over that it doesn't matter to him he he's able to subdue brion subdue fear snap halo's neck mm-hmm. her whole neck breakneck speed yo yes and to after the battle is done after he doesn't need any help he basically calls the assassins to just pick up the bodies essentially and take them to jail and he, in one of the darkest scenes, I think, in this show, he throws Halo's body at Brion's feet <laughs> with a broken neck. And as, as we are reeling from all that's happened, Roz is in his control room watching this all go down. And he sees Halo regenerate and come back to life. And Roz is like, Hey, normally that's me. That's the thing I do. That's my thing. But it's cool that she can do it too, I guess. And I do love Sensei. Like, Sensei, I swear I felt the life leave her her body. <laughs> I, dead. I swear to God. He's like, yeah, sorry, sorry. Right, be easy, be easy. I'm kind of want to investigate this. So before he can get in more info on Halo, the team, stealthy and easy, breaks in and now. They're doing a jailbreak. Yep. And obviously, Brion is just upset over everything that happens um, because he knows he's the reason why they're all in this situation here. But they tell him that is a conversation for once we get off of Infinity Island. <laughs> so as they try to escape, they come face to face against Sensei. Ubu has returned. And they're also met by a red hooded ninja. Um, they immediately, Sensei demands that like they're not leaving this island. Um, and Nightwing states that we have to go. We are leaving. We didn't mean to trespass. We are, we're going to be out. But knowing that their backs are against the wall, the only thing that they can do is fight. 
as um, we get some great battles between um, you know, Superboy and Ubu. Uh, Sphere and Forger decide to ball up, kind of like Sonic, go off in super speed and crash <laughs> into Ubu, destroying all of his apocalyptic tech. Um, but the battle that seems to be taking the longest is this battle between Nightwing and this red-hooded ninja, who both of whom seem to be able to counteract each other's moves pretty well. Uh, fortunately, we don't, unfortunately, rather, we don't get a chance to see who wins this battle because Rayshaw Ghoul, with his big Rayshaw energy, walks on through and calls for a stop of the entire fight to drop some truth bombs onto every single person there. Yeah, I love, oh my God, the aura on this guy. He just Word. goes, um, I believe the detective would be disappointed in this. And you you saw Nightwing felt hurt about that too. Yeah, he's like, oh, he can't hurt you psychologically. And I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where we get some real big bombs where Roz reveals he quit the light. He quit the shadows. He's done with all of that. And he just has an island with a bunch of loyal servants that are willing to do whatever for him, which mm -hmm. honestly, go you. Be an entrepreneur. Yep. Live for yourself. And so at this point, Artemis is really curious, you know, her close association with the League of Shadows. So she goes, who's in charge? Sportsmaster? And he goes, no. Ross <laughs> is like, no, not that man. And she goes, oh, Cheshire? And he's like, get out. <laughs> um, so Roz lets them leave with their lives. And we'll talk about this more. In, in the section, we'll talk about the the cameos in mm -hmm. a special section after this. We're we're just gonna skip that for a while, <laughs> um, but we'll cut back to the bio ship where Nightwing has to address what's been going on. Yep, he shares that he is quite upset. Well, rather, he's mad and disappointed <laughs> with our trio here um, because he had promised he made that promise that he was gonna help them out. But clearly, they're not listening to orders. Um, and because of that, Brion does share knowing that his actions led into, you know, fortunately, Ar not Ar sorry, Violet is able to heal herself. But like, if she wasn't, Violet would have been dead by the end of this whole mission. And they would have circled back. We would have gone back to like basically uh, zero space here because they don't even have a lead onto where Terra is. So knowing that he messed up so royally, he decides to take a seat back on any of his further actions. Fortunately, though, we do have one win as um, Halo and Forger decide that they definitely want to stay on the team with Brion, um, especially they want to stay with Brion in this RV. And this is where Nightmare states that all he wanted was just their commitment in some way, shape or form because it helps them to know where to direct their energy in the future. Uh, meanwhile, Artemis informs Halo that they, um, prior to them leaving, they were able to get her identity, and it's revealed that her real name is Gabrielle du Dua. Um, so this causes a crazy, like, Chuck-level flashback in her mind. Ooh. Yeah, that was... That was the <laughs> um, in which she's able to see everything that she went through from how she had to escape Karaki where 
Um, she was actually being chased by Mammoth. Um, how she was able to, uh, it seems like to unfortunately get captured, but then was able to take a flight to head to Markovia thanks to the um, the, the refugee laws that they had at that time, but still also experienced a lot of um, bias towards her because of her nationality. And she decides that she doesn't want to, once again, doesn't want to share that with the team um, and instead states that her real name is Violet. And that's what she wants to go by. Mm -hmm. Strong note to wrap mm -hmm. up the, the trio. Yep. So now that we've wrapped up this trio, um, we're going to try to see if we have any gardening contacts because after everything that was done to destroy uh, Connor and McGann's home and then all of Infinity Island's <laughs> garden, gardens. Uh, while we find that gardener, we're going to leave you with a podcast from the Forgotten Entertainment family that you should be listening to the next time you're not listening to us. Do you like beer? Do you like podcasts? Do you like beer podcasts? Then check out Cracking One Open, a podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every week, we crack open a new craft beer from breweries around the country. And sometimes the world. We'll talk about how it was made, what's in it, the history of the brew, and the brewery. Then we'll give our tasting notes. And while we're finishing up, we'll talk about some of the latest goings on in the world of pop culture. So check out Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. All right. Uh, so now that we have finished our trio, this new gen here, Andrew, what are you giving? Who gets the most whelmed episode of our bunch here today? It's been a while since it's been this hard uh, yeah. to, to make a choice because these are all three very strong episodes. And initially, I'm surprised to even say this because I Private Security is one of my favorite episodes of this series. The Roy Squad is just so entertaining. The story is great, and there's a lot of great conversations. But Rescue Op pulls the wind for me this batch. The main reason that Rescue Op is comes, a, comes ahead, well, it has a lot of good things going for it. It sets up a great mystery that is personal to the characters. It runs it back to the beginning of Nightwing now being on the other end of kids who just want to go out and do good in the world, but are not ready and not prepared to do so fully. And it, you really genuinely believe in this found family of the trio as their older brothers and sisters in the, in the forms of the heroes who have made their mistakes and know what it's like to be young and trying to do well are connecting with them. So you really do get a, a good sense of all of that in one episode and an entertaining fight scene with villains that are way out of their league, mm. uh, literally, because it's the League of Shadows. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what pulled it ahead for me. And the one thing that held, uh, held private security back, which was one of its biggest strengths, is Zatanna. Because mm. I love the Zatanna material. I, it is really emotional and really great. Why, though? <laughs> Why? <laughs> because, unfortunately, there's no follow-up to that in the next two episodes. And if you hadn't watched Young Justice in a while, like we had, you might be wondering, you might be like, oh, yeah, Zatanna, the, the father thing. And it's, it does not get an immediate follow-up, which, trust me, is not when it's the biggest problem. That's a season four problem, especially. Mm -hmm. But... The lack of follow-up, the lack of setup to it, 
it just feels like kind of an add-on to it. Whereas everything that happens in Rescue Op is self-contained and it does feel like those old Justice League Unlimited episodes where you just get three random heroes that normally have nothing Mm. to do with each other working out their issues and coming together and it's all self-contained rather than having that with the Roy squad and then adding Zatanna in. So that's why Rescue Out pulls it. I love the longbow security. I want the six seasons of the movie, but Rescue Out <laughs> is my most whelmed. Where are you at? I'm in the exact same boat, man. We yeah. sitting right <laughs> next to each other because I love private security for the Roy squad. There is no better team out there. I too was just <laughs> like, yo, I want the six seasons in a movie right now. Um, but Rescue Op really does pull ahead for me because um, mainly because it does create this. It's a stronger episode when you give it a holistic view to the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, I think together, Private Security and Rescue Op work well together because um, in Private Security, you're getting these individual scenes where like Connor, Artemis and Jefferson are dealing with their like newly displaced um, teammates in this way where and while at the same time dick has just abandoned them like he has just wiped his hands clean but the conversations that are happening in private security get cleaned up and are fully addressed when they um when they're together in rescue op or even leading up to that because when um in uh what's it called away mission where dick finally returns decides to take on the lead the only mention that you get of that is when Artemis states like, hey, weren't you supposed to be looking into this in this entire time? And he's like, yeah, I'm getting to it now. But here is where in Rescue Up, we get a chance to finally see it all flesh out. Um, yeah, it feels like, sorry, just really quick. It just yeah. felt like you forgot a homework assignment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, somebody's and... whole life. <laughs> we had a test today? Like, that's what it felt like. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it is like it does. It it does feel like that, and it does like it finally fully comes together with Rescue Op because um the other thing too is that like we're finally and you were talking about this this kind of um this realization that our former team like the kid the kids that we have seen for so long are no longer kids they are adults and that means that they have to take on these responsibilities and um especially with this responsibility of taking care of this new trio. And it did have me question, like, did the Justice League talk about it like this back in season one when um, we first got introduced to Connor and they brought in everybody there and they were like, how do we take care of these kids who want to do their own thing? But knowing that they have this immense power behind that, how do we provide the responsibility for them? Seeing that, like, Rescue Op gives our characters now that growth that we've been wanting to see all this time. I like it, especially because I don't think this is the this is. I don't think they've ever actually had a moment in which they had to take responsibility in this sense. In the past, it's always been that like any new person that's joined has been around the same age as them or has been like, or like kind of had that deeper connection, like Garfield, like there was nothing much they had to do. It was just like, they were about the same age. Garfield joined the team was already dealing with the loss of his mom. But then at the same time, they were going through that too. Meanwhile, on another side, they never had to deal with it because they they never they were kind of like babysitters in a way, I think, more so in season two, because with the runaways, um, they were able to just say, like, listen, we're done with them. We could just return to the Star Labs with Blue Beetle. It was like, we're done with them. We could just return him back to his home. They never had to sit down and be like, we have to make a home 
for these individuals that um I think that they have to do right now with like Brion, Violet, and Forger. So that's why for me, Rescue Ops, seeing them kind of struggle with making sure that the kids are all right. Um, I like that so much more, especially in the, in this look of this um this entire series. Yeah, and it also kind of brings very subtly, they never say this because they don't and that's why it's so well written. This is a correction for Superboy, too. Because mm. when Superman, we know when Superman first saw met Superboy, he didn't really want to deal with it. He didn't want to come to terms with the clone. He didn't really consider him like a, a son or a relative. So Superboy knows what that feels like to be rejected by the people that should be close to you. So he is going out of his way to make sure Brion feels accepted and supported and loved. And it really is something that is so important and it plays out uh, throughout the season. So it's a really, this is really crucial setup, this trio and what happens in this episode from what I remember of the finale will make a big difference to the finale. So that's again, why this episode is so strong. It's setting the foundation for all the great things that are to come. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I all right. So rescue op, uh, surprise victory here because I was definitely going to give it to private security, but hey, you know, the writing is writing, <laughs> yeah. I came in ready. And mm-hmm. um, before we go to the comic book knowledge, I'd like to unfortunately bring back a segment I call plot points that go nowhere. <laughs> that was Red Hood, that yep. was Red Hood on the island. Because Rache is like, oh, is your memory coming back? Great, because he remembers Robin. We don't get any follow-up to that ever. Nope. And also, Damian Wayne is here, everybody. Talia's holding Damian Wayne. (laughs) Little baby Damian. Will we see him? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) We will only see him if you hop back over to our very first season. (laughs) I feel like this is, if you stop right here, you do another five-year time jump, you, you got the D, the DCAMU. That is it. Jeez, all these teases that just uh, go, especially the Red Hood, mm-hmm. which would be weird to do on this show, I feel, because you because of all the Roy stuff, it kind of feel oh, redundant. Kind of re- yeah. So, but I don't even know why you would even tease it. <laughs> like, I don't even know what the thought process was. Yeah, because uh, um, also... It it makes me do want now to see what was it like for Jason Todd to be trained by the League of Shadows in this way. Because in the past, it's always been like he has been resurrected um, and then he just bounces. We, mm-hmm. we He just tr- starts working out, taking out Batman and Joker. That is it. I think the dynamic that we'll see now in that case would have been so cool to see. But again, we plot points that don't go nowhere. Yep. <laughs> Uh, but shifting over to some plot points and comics that may have gone somewhere uh, today, of course, as always, we try to connect the uh, Young Justice comics to the show. Unfortunately, we only had two comics for season three, which we talked about last week. Uh, so today we're just going to talk about who are the outsiders, um, mainly because it's the name of our it's a subtitle of our season here. Um after six episodes, we're kind of getting more of a sense of who these individuals are. Um, and they will pop up with this name later on. But I feel like today's set of episodes 
probably dealt the closest with who the outsiders are as a whole. And they are the outsiders. They're a team of like the non main heroes in the DC universe. So if you weren't a Superman or a Batman or Wonder Woman, anybody that was in the Justice League, if you were just like you had like your own, I don't know, like five blocks of Gotham that you were protecting every night, you probably could have made the, the, the roster of the outsiders. And that's mainly because they operate outside of the system to handle the situations that are affecting the earth. Um, so they were created by Mike W. Barr and Jim Aparo with their first appearance in this like 16 page preview in um, The Brave and the Bold number 200 in July 1983. And they finally made their full debut in Batman and the Outsiders just one month later. Uh, so now this one is going to be super quick because honestly, Young Justice got it almost exactly right in their first three uh, three episodes for season three premiere. Oh, nice. Yeah, the uh, the only main difference is, though, is that in the story of the comic, it talks about um, this European trip that Lucius Fox, a longtime ally of Batman Bruce Wayne, decides to take. Unfortunately, he goes missing. Um, Batman finds out from a newspaper article where it details that Lucius has gone missing during the Markovian Revolution, where Baron Frederick Bedlam. Uh, is staging a military coup because he lost the Markovian throne after it was gifted to him by the Nazis and returned to him, returned to the rightful king. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, there was so obviously there was a nice change in the regime here because um, the king of Markovia was received his throne back. Unfortunately, though, he was getting close to dying and it was starting the procedure of the coronation of Gregor once again. And we also get introduced to Brion Markov here. Um, but while that's happening on the side, Batman is learning that his friend has gone missing, which sends him into a very aggravated state, uh, which will probably make Brion very proud. <laughs> but um, so he decides that the next Justice League mission, as he heads on up to the Watchtower, is to go into Markovia and find Lucius Fox so he can bring him back home. As he enters, the entire league is there, and Superman is the one to go up to him and state, hey, we can't do that. We have to shut this whole entire plan down because he had a conversation with the UN and assured them that the league will not step foot in Markovia as they feared that with this league presence, it might cause a larger revolution because they wouldn't know who brought in the league, which will lead to both sides of the revolution to try to... um, up the ante even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman's quite upset about this. He's just like, you know, that's my boy. I'm not going to leave him behind enemy lines like this. So since you don't want to do anything about it, I'm just going to go solo and just know that I'm not a part of your Justice League anymore. This is very synonymous to what we saw in our first um, episode for this season. Uh, the first person, the difference here, though, is that the first person he calls up, uh, Batman calls up to start this um, this mission to go save Lucius is Black Lightning, who, unlike his counterpart in the show, decides to actually sign up for Batman Incorporated. Uh, like along the uh, During divorce time, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't dive too much into this, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, Jefferson Pierce is known as a very divorced man <laughs> throughout comics. <laughs> Uh, so along the way, they do find some new recruits. They come across the light-based hero Halo, 
um, who they once again, just like in the show, they find not in the cemetery this time, but in the woods. Uh, she's she has amnesia. Um, and instead of being a, a Middle Eastern BIPOC individual, she's now a white blonde woman in the comics. Sounds about right. Yeah. Sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they also come across Metamorpho, who's traveled to Markovia because he wants to meet Hel um, Dr. Helga Jace, who he believes has the cure to cure him of this ailment that he has, which for um, people who don't know, he during this um this moment where he was absorbed this like kind of gaseous material he can now shift his body into any material but he does have this monstrous like appearance um unfortunately though Helga Jace was too busy giving Breon Markov his powers because this is where in order to fight in the war to to end it all against um Bedlam she decides to give um Breon the treatment to turn him into geoforce a uh, name that we'll soon her here in our show. And finally, we have Katana, who rounds up the team here, um, who was actually in Markovia because she was planning to kill Bedlow's military commander, General Carnes, which she found out, um, who she found out was partly responsible for the death of her husband and kids. And honestly, she gets the job done in like five minutes. Nice. Yeah, uh, I, I just keep hearing Rick Flag going, this is Katana. She has my back. She can cut you like a easier than a knife cutting butter. <laughs> like that long intro in Suicide. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we get this, and she does show that skill. She does cut this man like butter. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the story plays out very similarly to what we saw in our show. Um, just remove the metahuman trafficking in favor for your typical random individuals who just happen within a small town story trope. And they're led by Batman. So they're able to defeat Bedlam. Um, and at the end of it, they're like, hey, we worked well together. And in fact, I think we should form this new team called the Outsiders. And Batman's just like, you know what? I'm not on the team now, so might as well join yours. <laughs> okay, Bats. Uh, he eventually does become the leader of this six-person or so team. Um, this run will go for about 33 issues. Where after the 33rd issue, Batman does leave the team and it switches over to the title of The Adventures of the Outsiders, where Black Lightning and Katana take more of this leadership role. Um, but it does turn into, as I mentioned, a way to introduce the DC characters who don't have an opportunity to have their headlining comic series to have an opportunity to be shown, like, what are they doing behind the scenes? And um, it gave a lot of lesser-known characters a, a leg up into becoming known by comic book fans. So um, some that we see across, like that we've seen across, like DC Entertainment, whether it be like live action in the CW verse or or in other animated productions. We have Jade, the daughter of the uh, original Green Lantern, Alan Scott, who was a member. Uh, Wild Dog became a member. Thunder was a member. Her partner Grace Choi also was a member this is how the two of them met and el dorado who we'll see later on who we've seen already in the young justice series was also a member we also got some shocking leaders as uh arsenal and nightwing were, uh, were leaders who uh hmm. restarted up the team after taking some money from a corporation but then finding out that the corporation was led by deathstroke <laughs> <laughs> that's is that worse or better or worse than amazon you, you think like, like how do you feel <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I know one thing. Deathstroke ain't spending my money to go to space. <laughs> uh, this confirmed. Confirmed. Deathstroke is better than Pesos. <laughs> Uh, some other leaders we had was Cassandra Kane, who's like Batgirl orphan, and my favorite right now, Alfred Pennyworth, was one of the leaders of the Outsiders. Uh, and this was during the events of Batman R.I.P., where he created this hodgepodge um, set of Outsiders to help save the day because Batman wasn't around. Um, he's got the experience. His resume looks really good, so I I, I support it. No, I always think the same thing too. Like, I don't understand why Alfred isn't just leading the entire Justice League. Like, let him be the logistical person. Don't let it be Mal. We, yeah. Like, how 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 long does it actually take to to clean Wayne Manor if it's Harley being <laughs> used? Let's be honest with ourselves. And for our, our Harley Quinn fans, I hope he did it as Mister Macaroni. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't get that, that's why you need to watch Harley Quinn. <laughs> yes, please do immediately. <laughs> In fact, we're going to wrap up this episode right now so that you can watch Harley Quinn. Go watch Harley Quinn. Come back once you get the reference. <laughs> uh, but right now, the current roster of the Outsiders, um, we still have Black Lightning. We still have Katana. Metamorpho still on there. Um, we do have a new Bat Family member by the name of Signal is on that squad as well. Um, Signal is just a new black hero that came out um, some time ago after uh, I think during the one of the many times that Batman has died. Um, oh. So no, I just thought he, the the hero's job would be to light the bat signal, and that's all all they did. Like for a second, <laughs> they're just like, "Hey, he runs, he's running up to get to the so hit the switch. I'm on my way." But yeah, uh, Signal, the number one lighthouse keeper of all time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that wraps up um, the Outsiders, who they are. They have a ton of comics. Um, they do make many appearances. Um, I think Bra- Batman the Brave and the Bold probably has the largest amount of Outsiders animated content that we actually have in history <laughs> outside of Young Justice. But they actually got like kind of most of it right. <laughs> Always appreciate some comic book accuracy. Yes. Flash. <coughs> ooh, ooh. Oh, turn on my throat. Couldn't be about Flashpoint. <laughs> well, that wraps up our episode. Please don't go watch Flash again. Instead, watch Harley Quinn. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but in the meantime, please be sure to check us out on our socials, our Patreon for more content. And in the meantime, take care of yourselves and remember that if you are planning to go to infinity island um please don't start a fight with sensei because he will give you that work and if you are getting your apple vr headset stolen call the bow hunters they got you bro Mm -hmm. they'll throw a guy underneath the truck for you yeah you know why because they're always on point exactly Thanks again for listening. Yet Another DC Animated Podcast is a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. If you liked what you heard, leave a review and share us with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts and on social media at YADC Animated Pod. <laughs>